Welcome back, podcast listeners. We're here with episode 81, and I'm here with a really exciting one today. I'm, I'm looking at two people that have got a big smile on their face. Um, but I would like to introduce one of the newest staff members, or the newest staff member at Kofkin Bonding Co., Lucy Claxton, uh, who's based up in Sydney. Lucy, welcome to your first podcast. Oh, thanks so much. It's been a long time coming, I think. Uh, I actually was <laughs> listening to the podcast before I got hired by Kofkin Bond. Uh, so yeah, it's a bit surreal to be a part of it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that stood out. You were you were genuinely inter- interested in Kafka Bond um, throughout the process, and for anyone that actually listens to our podcast, I think that's just a step for us straight away. If, if I've got a listener, I'm excited. <laughs> I was playing into his ego. <laughs> you, were, you were massively playing it into. I think I think Tony and I ticked it off straight away. But Matt, I also have you on the line as well, and. It's been you and Lucy up in Sydney um, and, and we've really started in the last few months um, with you guys coming on board, but it's been a little good, good process so far. It's been brilliant, actually. So um, I know it's been a bit of a strange time with COVID, but uh, as we brought Lucy on, we got the new office in Sydney, which is beautiful. Um, we've been super busy. So I think, you know, COVID's created a lot of conversations between couples and a lot of people have reached out for a chat. And so we've probably been sort of three times busier than what we normally are, which is yeah. Lucy, I guess you've just started in the industry. Um, you did have a background in general insurance, um, but you know, I think it's, it's a completely different scale when, you, when you're turning to personal insurance. But how has your introduction to financial planning been? <laughs> well, it's been pretty hectic, actually. Like, um, like Matt was saying, we've been, we've been pretty full on over here. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's been really interesting so far. I really love meeting clients and meeting people who've already taken that first step uh, to get their finances sorted. So, you know, we've just been having some really great conversations and um, yeah, I've been really surprised and pleasantly surprised by the types of people that we've um, been able to meet so far. So, so yeah, I've, I've really had a, a good start to it, I'd say. Yeah. And I think, look, I think when we bought um, Matt, when you come and join forces with us, I guess we can say um, one thing that really stood out was how great of relationships you have with your client base and the type of people that your client base is. And I think, you know, has that been a surprise about how well you've connected with them, Lucy? Yeah, I would say so. I, I, uh, I've um, been able to be a part of a lot of client meetings so far. So um, you know, whether it be a first touch um, with a client or, you know, advice presentations and things like that. Um, and yeah, the types of, of clients that Matt has are, are really fun and interesting and they just come from all different walks of life. Um, so yeah, that's that's been a really nice part of it, I would say. And I, um, I'm also looking forward to having a little bit more to contribute as well as I continue to learn. <laughs> uh, maybe a bit of banter here and there, but um, you know, to actually, um, you know, be at a point where I can actually provide uh, some input and, and some advice um, of myself one day as well, that I think will be a, a really big step. So, yeah. We're really lucky in Sydney. We've got um, a lot of good people that we work with, so other um, accounting firms and uh, mortgage brokers, and often they're sending um, people for us to have a chat to as well. But yeah, everyone's really interesting at the moment. Um, everyone's got uh, big, big plans, big goals. And I think COVID in some respects has been like a reset where people are like, ah, we need to do this now. So yeah, when you work with people that really want to get stuck into it and, and, and make their lives better and start going after some goals, it does make things uh, a lot easier as well when yeah. they're really engaged in the process. But um, yeah, it's been really good having Lucy on board to yeah, be a part of those conversations and help us get our clients through the process and get some really good outcomes. 
So Lucy, what's been, I guess, the biggest surprise so far with stepping in the industry? What's sort of blown your mind the most? I know it's probably a hard thing to pinpoint, um, but I guess everyone has preconceived ideas when coming in. Um, what's been the sort of major highlight and things that you've really enjoyed? I think the biggest one for me would be, you know, when I told anyone that I was going into financial planning, a few people were a bit shocked uh, because they know I love spending <laughs> and shopping <laughs> um, so and you know and I think there is that uh, that notion that climates can be very black and white um, but I've actually found the opposite and I think I've been pleasantly surprised by that um, that I actually feel as though you need to be quite a creative person to be a financial advisor um, it's definitely not one size fits all advice uh, everyone that comes in uh, I've, I've witnessed Matt sort of just going straight into strategy mode and thinking of all these different ways that we can assist this client in their unique position um, and I actually think it yeah it does take quite a bit of creativity um, to do that so that's been a um, yeah a, a, something that I've been um, yeah pleasantly surprised by and I think I am a creative person as well so I think that again I'll have some value to provide there um, at one point. Yeah, I think, Matt, that's sort of a synergy that we both had at Kafka Bond and, and when you come along because it was, you know, a lot of people in the industry are cookie cutters. Um, it's a simple plan for, with a lot of financial advisors, um, but that's where I think we differ and that's where our clients find that difference when coming to Kafka Bond. Yeah, look, it is, um, and Lucy's right, it is creative and I think that's the part of it that I, I really do like is that when you sit there and you read back through the goals and you're like, oh, what if we did this and we draw timelines out and... Yeah, I think there is a lot of creativity and I don't think that's probably been fully fleshed out in the industry. I think people think we're this analytical person behind the computer just doing investments and it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and I think that's probably nice to be able to um, go back to, you know, some of the basics for me and then in sort of going back through and teaching Lucy, it's sort of been nice to refresh my perspective on advice and what we do and what's important um, so yeah, I'm sort of rethinking how I'm positioning things and how I'm having discussions based on, you know, the conversations I'm having with Lucy day to day. So yeah, it's really good. It's really, um, we're in a really good space at the moment. Yeah, I think, you know, you guys even, Lucy, you've been introduced, I guess, to our portfolios and the work and the amount of work that goes behind when Matt's talking the analytical side. I guess there is that side of the, the, the advice as well. Um, and we sort of, as a team, go through that. But you've been introduced to a little bit of that. How have you found the investment side of financial planning? Yeah, I would say that's definitely the part that interests me the most. I think on my third day, we had about a what, two hour brainstorm session um, and, and Matt was sort of teaching me all these different investment strategies. And um, it's really exciting to sort of um, yeah, see how the concept of building wealth, especially when you've got time on your side, um, I think it's a really exciting concept that more people need to, to know about. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's definitely been really interesting. Uh, I've also taken a particular interest to the concept of ethical investing, which yeah. is something that I want to look into more. Um, yeah, I just really like the idea of uh, investing or putting my money personally in companies that are looking sustainably um, and looking to, you know, uh, I guess, reduce their carbon footprint. Um, and yeah, just to learn a little bit more about that and see what value I can provide there um, has also been a really sort of little fun side project that I've been looking into. So, yeah. yeah I think it's might have to head up our ethical portfolios. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> I think both you and Will I can take that category. Um, <laughs> and we'll do well in it. So, but 
Yeah, I think that I think the ethical side of investing has become highlighted recently, um, and I think it is becoming. I, would, I don't know the word, but I wouldn't say popular, but it, it is becoming. A lot of people are looking into it um, and considering it. I think yeah, consumers are becoming a lot more interest uh, interested in where their money is actually going. I think there's definitely been a shift, um, especially yeah. in my generation as well, and my sort of circle and and the people I surround myself with, um, you know, who might not know a lot about investing, um, but you know, they definitely are interested in uh, I guess sustainable business practices, practices, and and seeing you know not only that your money can make money for you, but it can actually make a difference as well. So yeah, I, I think that we're definitely actually going to see even more and more interest. Yeah. Are you finding those conversations? You're, with, you're out with friends because um, you guys can do that in Sydney, um, unlike Melbourne, but you're out with friends. What's the conversation when they're asking about, you know, asking about the world that you're working in and you're having that conversation, what's the feel around with your age group um, in the discussion of finance? Honestly, uh, at the moment, uh, it's it's basically me leading the conversation and slowing the yeah. rise. Um, <laughs> so, oh, hey guys, just... I've been doing this. This is what I do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, I don't think there's enough interest in in financial advice, and and it's crazy to me because you know uh, the best time for uh, people to invest is is when they're young. Take advantage of of time. Take advantage of um, compound interest, and and yeah. So it's sort of me leading that conversation and trying to get people excited about their finances, and 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 honestly telling them pretty harshly, I suppose that um, you know that not doing anything is actually costing them now. So yeah, a lot of those conversations are me trying to empower people and also empower myself uh, to get excited about their finances because you know yeah, what it can lead to in the future is just so much freedom. Yeah, I think my partner and I, Jess, we we had the we were like that when we were younger. It was. You know, we'd spend money. You know, we still spend money, but we spent. We were spending money when we were young, and, and investing was sort of a second thought. Um, and it was until we really sat down. And because when you look at a budget, uh, I know it's a boring word, but if you just set a little bit aside, um, especially from when you're young, it does build. And you're talking compound interest, and we've done a lot of podcasts on that. Um, and there's a great book that we've sort of talked about multiple times um, through our podcast. But it does make a difference in the future. And there's so many strategies around that, whether, whether it's gearing portfolios, which we've seen a lot of lately. Um, but yeah, it, it can make a massive difference once you get a little bit older. I, I think I consider myself lucky. I mean, I'm 23 and I've had this revelation over the past, you know, year or two years. But I look back and think, oh, I wish I started investing when I was 18. You know, that's five years of, of money that I, you know, could have used to sort of uh, grow my wealth. Um, yeah, so I, I think that I, I'm definitely trying to yeah, have those conversations um, with now, yeah. There's no yeah. doubt that, you know, starting earlier makes a huge difference. and. Um, as we are just chatting the other day to Lucy was that, you know, even if you bought poor assets, let's say, for example, you didn't buy the best investment property in the right area, or you didn't buy the best shares perhaps, but you did hold them for 20 and 30 years, you will look like a superstar. So naturally we don't want to buy poorly. We want to buy well, we want to outperform, but ultimately time is one of the greatest investment tools that people don't often talk about. So if you are in a position where you can actually borrow some money, for example, earlier in your life, and then literally park it somewhere where you don't want to look at it again for 10 years, it's almost a guarantee that you're going to be a lot better off. So sometimes take all the science out of it, you know, just make it very simple. Just do something and stick with it. Cause uh, you know, we see that time and time again, don't we? Yeah. And I think it's that forced savings. Um, I think what a lot of people, you know, I think when I was young, I was all, 
I was terrible at saving money. If I seen cash, it was there to be spent. But if I was, it was, if I was to pay something off or if I was to have to put money somewhere else, I would do that and I wouldn't miss it ever. Um, and so I think that's something that when we, when we talk about investing young, if you're forced, forced to invest or forced to put money somewhere and pay debt, then it is becoming a forced savings. I definitely have been interested by that kind of uh, strategy that Matt's put forward with a few clients where um, sort of with some sort of direct debit um, arrangement, you just take money off them, uh, put it, you know, in an investment portfolio before they even see it. Um, and I think that's an interesting, interesting concept. And the same goes, we talked about this yesterday, the same goes for, um, you know, yeah, when you get a pay rise at work, that lifestyle creep, it's so easy to just spend the extra money. But if you, if you don't see it, um, you know, and you just let it do its thing and, and make money for you, you know, in the meantime, then yeah, the returns are, you know, goes without saying. I'm still, ama I'm still amazed and I can't understand why I can live life now when I used to be able to be at uni or not study. Um, and I still used to be able to go out four nights a week. So I wish that Jamie would come back. Um, I don't know what, I don't know if I was eating, maybe if I was drinking four <laughs> nights a week of, of whatever I was doing, maybe I just wasn't eating, but yeah, I, I'd love to, I'd love to know how that guy lived. Um, <laughs> you, are right. you are right. Once, you know, once there is those pay rises and things like that, we're, we're easy to, you know, change our lifestyle. But yeah, I, I think that for savings is what you're saying, a direct debit into an investment. If it's gone before you know it, then, then that's a cost to you and, and you don't start to live in a different way. And it's automated. I think sometimes when you automate your finances, take some of the thinking out because, you know, the difference between your payroll, putting it into an investment account, as opposed to you being paid and then transferring it to the investment account, there's actually a sense of loss. And they've actually studied this. So in behavioral finance, when you actually transfer money into an investment or a savings, there actually is um, what they call mental friction or a sense of loss in the transfer. So that doesn't actually create good mental patterns in, you know, every time we want clients to obviously transfer to their portfolio, they're having this kind of uh, mental friction happening on their end. So if it's happening before and they're not having to think about it, that mental friction or those mental patterns aren't occurring. So they don't have like almost like a negative feeling or a negative view when there's that sense of loss. Now that's not for everyone. Some people actually, when they transfer that money over to investment, there's a sense of pride as well. And again, if that is the case, then obviously we want clients to do that. And then now you have those good reoccurring mental patterns around money. Um, and a lot of it, and Lucy's been um, witnessing this in some of the meetings, but we really need to tackle more of that behavioral finance. I think, it's such a, a gray area and, and there's a lot of good studies coming out of the US around Morningstar and what they're doing. They've got some great data science, scientists looking into it. Um, but it's sort of around the, the point of how we use money and what our belief systems are. And what we've been addressing in our meetings is, okay, tell us about what your parents were like. And often, you know, it's really common that you've got opposites attract. So we've got one parent who was good with money and there's, there's one parent that wasn't so good with money. And you see this pattern over and over again and then you look at how they're using money and again they're opposites and one's good and one's not so good and so um the ability through that sort of conversation is to find out what kind of families are we sort of bringing together by the way our parents use money and we either adopt or rebel one of our parents or both um and then how that's going to play out in our, our clients lives who are sitting in front of us really based on what their parents were doing so uh, tackling some of those belief systems can untangle you know, how they're going to use money. Um, and sometimes you want to have it short circuited by them not receiving some of it, perhaps in their paycheck. 
Yeah. Has this, has this conversation been a bit of an eye opener for you as well, Lucy, in thinking like from a financial advisory point, you know, you're talking about psychology at one point. Did, did you think that that was going to be part of the job? No, it, it definitely was very refreshing, I think. And, and that's what I, I really like about our initial meeting with the sort of prospect client is that we're purely just talking about, you know, what they love, where they want to live, what lifestyle they want. And it's really got nothing to do with the, you know, fine details of their budget or anything like that really just getting to the bottom of what they value um, because um, what I've noticed as well is with the strategies that we put forward, we never want to, um, you know, I guess, uh, tell anyone that they can't spend a certain amount of money on something that they value. Um, you know, it's all about spending money on what you value and, and putting away, I guess, the, the rest. So yeah, those, those initial meetings have been really great. It's just this great big brainstorming session just about, um, you know, who you are, your relationship with money, why, you know, why you have this relationship with money and, and what your goals are. It's, yeah, it's definitely not what I, not what I expected and not what I'd expect as a consumer going to a financial advisor either. Um, I think it is quite daunting, especially for someone my age. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't expect to, yeah, be having a, a discussion about, you know, spending $80 a month on coffee and how that's okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, and I think that, yeah, the, the way that, that we approach it in the Sydney office is, is definitely, um, it just, yeah, strips away all that, um, all that um, stigma that can come around financial advice and just gets down to the, you know, to the basics. I, I really don't think consumers understand that there's an emotional conversation. It's not like no. a mind, it's finance, it's this, it's that, you do this, you know, feel the pain. It's actually really more about finding out what, what's the emotional part here you know, the emotional tie to your finances, um, you know, what you believe in, what you value. Um, and I think once you've got the emotions aligning with um, the actual financial plan, then everyone's on the same page and no one's yeah. feeling bad about it. Everything, everyone's feeling good about it. But unless you kind of, you know, deep dive into some of the emotions there, because like we all know it, our emotional state is very much tied to our financial state. So they're really two different conversations that need to kind of then be aligned uh, for the plan so yeah we're often discounting sometimes the financial benefits of a strategy because we need to take into consideration the emotional for example a client we might go look it makes no financial sense to you um, buy this huge home and have a big mortgage and it means you can do nothing else for the next 20 odd years um, but then we've also got to take in the emotional factor there that this is something that they really really value so sometimes it's like yep you should do that because it, that's what you want to do that's your goal but it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of financial sense because now you're yeah. in my basket. So again, we've got to play around with that and, and kind of work through and help the client prioritize what they actually want to do here. Um, yeah. and that's just, no one knows about it. It's, it's really interesting. No, I found that interesting when, I guess, when I was first introduced to the industry and going to the meetings with Tony as well, I think clients are a little bit taken aback where it's sort of, you know, what are your goals? What do you guys want? And they were sort of like, oh, no, we're just here to make money. Like, oh, no, like, what do you, what do you actually want out of life? Like, why actually, and then, uh, you know, watching them think, um, and I think the greatest question is, you know, what do you want in retirement sometimes as well as like, I've got no idea what we want. Um, and so sometimes I actually have to go away and really think together as to what are we actually trying to achieve here? Um, yes, there's wealth accumulation and we're trying to, we're all trying to get in, in per se richer, but you know, what is, what is rich to you? Um, to me, it's different. I'm, I, I guess I'm a person that experience for me is what I count in life and, and what, 
what I want to achieve through my financial goals. Um, you know, I guess I'm probably not the person with the big house, but you, you are right. Some people do want the big house and, and they want to live where, you know, in the heart of it. Um, and so it's very different and people have very different goals. You know, we've got to remove our biases too. I mean, we've got to be very um, almost non-emotional and very objective going through that process. But yeah, and I would say, you know, where you've got the generation probably that came before me who are still, um, you know, I guess, uh, striving to achieve that Australian dream of, you know, owning a house, you then have uh, my generation who, you know, from those conversations that I have had with, you know, my circle, uh, it's all about financial freedom, uh, you know, where we're in a world where, um, there's so much entrepreneurship and so much gig culture, you know, happening and no one wants to work for the man anymore. So, um, you know, I think what a lot of these people don't realise is the answer to be able to live that life where you do feel, you know, financially free is to invest now so yeah. that your investments can pay for your lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I agree. Guys, uh, thank you very much for today. It's it's um, it's really good to hear a refreshing view um, and it's really good to hear <laughs> another person that's come and joined the Kofkin Bond family um, and we're glad you are enjoying it, Lucy. I, I think you've been a really good asset to the team and, you know, I'm hoping for some more great things from the team up there. And the, look, the client's feedback on Lucy has been fantastic and we've been doing a lot of reviews. We've got a lot of reviews to do before the end of the year and, a lot of the portfolio changes which we're rolling out. But um, yeah, it's been real great having having Lucy on board. And yeah, I'm okay. looking forward to, you know, growing her into an advisor. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. And, and yeah, being part of the family has been great. We were just saying that we haven't actually met the Melbourne team yet. No. Um, but no, it still does very much feel like a family and everyone's sort of willing to, you know, help me and help me learn. And um, yeah, hopefully I can give back as well. Fantastic. Guys, thank you very much and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. See ya.